0: Hello everybody and welcome to Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the chaotic neutral head.
1: I'm Dane, the lightning ball head.
0: <laughs> Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and even play some games sometimes. Uh, Dane, what are we doing today?
1: And today we're going to be discussing role-playing games. Specifically video games, uh, you read an article, you thought it was interesting, you sent me, I read some articles, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah.
0: We thought there was a whole discussion. So, what basically this began as is uh, reading a few things about the upcoming um, video game, not pen and paper, uh, avowed from Obsidian, and talking about... Um, what that's going to look like, what next-gen so-called video games are going to look like, role-playing games specifically. Um, And, yeah, there were just a few kind of interesting points that we wanted to discuss on the show. Uh, So the first thing that I read was talking about uh, specifically Avowed and lessons it could learn from other games on the market. And the main thing it was talking about was how games like skyrim which Valve looks like it's going to be very similar to um give you you know total character creation freedom but that can lead to you being a little bit out of touch with the story that the game asks you to do and how what they well what the premise of this article was is that if they took some leads from games like the witcher or mass effect where your character is at least to some degree decided on for you by the game before you start that there could be better integration of story and the character that you create and the role-playing that you get out of it
1: sure i mean that's something we've talked about a lot uh kind of the blank slate character versus the pre-made character uh and like it can be done good both ways like i'm personally a huge big fan of the elder scrolls game where you start in a dungeon and like you could be anybody right like there's no, um, you're not Geralt of Rivia, right? You're unnamed prisoner. Yeah. Uh, so like, it's also interesting, like Marwin, Marwin had a lot more, um, I guess, presets, like, you know, classes and that kind of stuff. Um, also a specialization to, um, talking about just role-playing mechanics in general. Um, like, Geralt of Rivia he's Geralt of Rivia the monster the witcher he has two swords and knows how to use them yeah. uh but like not so good with a bow even though you get like a little crossbow Well he gets a crossbow one,
0: right? but that's very much like a game
1: mechanic right. thing
0: that's not so much a like mm-hmm. Geralt the character is not a crossbowman right so they you give you that as a tool in the game
1: you don't really get to choose how and Geralt's also got some magic but like you can't choose magic over swords like you know there's no magic skill versus sword skill. is just, uh, you can upgrade certain spells and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the RPG element of that, because you have to play as Geralt, right?
0: Right. And with a character like Geralt, Witcher 3 being a great example, because, you know, it's a medieval fantasy thing, which Avowed in Skyrim, well, Skyrim is as well, and Avowed presumably is, that's what it looks like. Um, the, uh, reason to use those two things as examples and compare them to each other is Geralt and the stories that you play as Geralt seem a lot like, you know, they seem a lot more flushed out and integrated into the character of Geralt. You don't have a choice about being him, so the side content and all of the, like, you know, character interactions and stuff is very, um, is very curated and feels uh, in a lot of ways more natural, but you can find yourself playing through Skyrim and in a situation where like, uh, like these people are talking to me in a way where I don't feel like I'm the guy they think that I am or something. And right. you have the freedom to like engage or not engage as much as you mm-hmm. feel like with the main story which is kind of two things, being the chosen one of this you know, like mythic event that's happening, and then also picking a side in the, in the war. And you could be a character who isn't interested in either of those things, which could lead to some dissonance in, in your gameplay experience. You'd be like, well, I'm trying to accurately roleplay the guy I came up with. This character wouldn't really engage with what the story is asking me to.
1: Right, well, you know, and then my response is make a better character. That, like, if you want to, don't get mad at Skyrim's story for, like, oh, it didn't fit in with my character. Well, then make a character that fits in. Because, mm-hmm. like, hey man, maybe I don't want to play as Geralt. I want to play as, uh, like, a Cat Witcher. Oh, well, there's no option for that. Um, so, anyways, I think both of them have their moments. Um, it's real fun to bring in your own little, like, character quirks with a pre-made character. So, like, yeah, I'm Geralt, but also I'm not going to bang all the sorceresses because I've had enough of that. Yeah. Or, you know, you can do it the opposite. You could smoosh with all of them. Um, those are those are your choices. And that's, um, you know, last time, this is our second take on the podcast, uh, we this, started
0: talking about... Um, we're going over some familiar ground is the Witcher, for us, but this is, is new the for you Is the Witcher an RPG?
1: Yeah, um, and we started talking about choices having an effect on the story and the world around them.
0: Because mm-hmm. I generally, you know, while I enjoy The Witcher, I, I mean, I think it is. This is what we settled on last time: is that it is still a role playing game, and so is Mass Effect. You know, games where like games where the game tells you who you are can still be a role playing game because. It's not necessarily character creation that uh, determines that. It's whether or not you can make choices that actually affect and, the world.
1: And like, it's not even like, oh, I start at level zero and have to put like skill points into my swordsmanship or mm-hmm. whatever. That also isn't like I think what really defines yeah. the RPG. It's I would say like because
0: we see that a lot. Um, you know, Diablo has called itself an action RPG since its inception. Uh, and you know, games like Borderlands and even Far Cry—they have role-playing elements where you know you build a character build and you spend mm-hmm. points on progression. But I would say you know those are like the most lightest right. role-playing elements. That's not really
1: there's a there's a good one. Uh, is Borderlands an RPG? Mm-hmm.
0: I would say I would say no. I would say by no the definition well. that we kind of. Doesn't mean it's not a good game. Time. I love, I love Borderlands. Yeah, love, love Borderlands. They they nailed the the you know looting and the firearms gameplay, all that stuff. They nailed it. But
1: it's you very you don't get track. to make any choices yeah.
0: really. And if you do make choices, if there's like a quest with two different options for mm-hmm. ending, that doesn't affect the story or the world. Not really. You just like get a different piece of loot one way or the other, and. That's kind of what we decided on when I brought up the idea, is it really a role-playing game if you don't get to create your character? Well, we decided, yeah, we think it still is, as long as you get to make meaningful choices that affect the game world mm-hmm. and, you know, change your experience as you go.
1: Yeah, so like great, great example of um, that is uh, Wasteland 3. Um, at the time of recording this, it has just come out. Uh, I just beat it today, by Did the turn. way. Yeah. We've been playing it. I haven't beaten it yet, but enjoying it. Um, but I love like the um, fame and um, the reputation, reputation uh, trees or whatever. Um, those I think are really cool because also they influence the game. Like, oh, we're in a dungeon doing a fight, and then like some more bad guys come in, and you get to talk to them, and if you're re- you know, have enough fame, If you're renowned enough, you can be like, we're the Desert Rangers, and then they're like, oh no, the Desert Rangers, and then they run we away. We don't want to fight the scary Desert
0: Rangers. Right. Or you can piss people off. Yeah. You can be in a situation where, like, now, because of some mm. choices that I made that I didn't necessarily understand the, uh...
1: The consequences of.
0: Yeah, which is great, because you don't always know the far-reaching consequence of every choice you're going to make. Mm. Um... There's the like the refugees and a couple other factions in that game. They really hate my ranger team right now, and I didn't really mean to be in that situation. I actually was trying to play in a way where I was helping them, but through actions that you know I had to commit to one way or another. A um, couple groups of people in that game really don't like my team, and I have to deal with that. That's right. like shaped the world as I've played.
1: So, and like, then we can talk a little bit about pen and paper RPGs, because that's the like beauty of the pen and paper RPGs, it's, the Game Master can constantly change and retweak and retool the adventure to, one, make it seem like Mm -hmm. your choices matter, and then two, give you a way out, because like... If you just piss everybody off, there's probably some fights that you don't actually want to do, but you have to because, like, you made some mistakes. But, like, in a pen and paper, the game master could formulate a new way uh, to get out that wasn't originally planned because you can always go in there and adjust it, unlike a video game where once it's coded and printed and minted and sold, uh, only hardcore hackers uh, can go in there and... Change the code, right?
0: Yeah. So that, like, that sense of agency—that I am a character in this setting, and the actions that I do directly affect the setting and change things—that's you know a pretty key thing. That's at its core the nature of pen and paper experience. Your, the players are sitting with the game master and like as a team collaborating to create the world. So your actions as a character are directly creating the experience around you. Video games have to kind of, like, uh, you know, they have to do their video gaming magic. They have to do their, like, their craft in order to, like, trick you into experiencing that. Because they can't really account for everything right. that you would possibly do. They have to mm. implement systems that simulate um, you know, reaction. Well, they can still really react, but they don't have, you know, infinite Mm. possibilities yes
1: uh so to bring it back um to the topic or at least where we started mm-hmm. um with avowed and like kind of like next gen stuff um i dug up an article from 2006 so like pre-skyrim era right mm. and it's talking about like what's the next gen rpg gonna look like pre-skyrim is a weird fucking way to <laughs> say anything know, right? but also well, like, like it has I been out like...
0: for what like 10 years 10 almost? 10 years, like 12 years. Yeah. Came out in like 2010, 9?
1: I think 10, but...
0: Yeah, that was fucking nuts. That's a long time ago, and it seems even longer because they just keep releasing it over and over again. Um, But yeah, pre-Skyrim. Right. What were they saying about next-gen RPGs well, when Oblivion so, was the hot thing?
1: And like something that we've, or you've um, said many times when talking about next-gen stuff is like, we know how to do good graphics. Like That's not the thing holding back uh, games anymore. Yeah. Like, we don't need an upgrade in graphics. Like, you know, that's why i oh, get the next-gen console because it looks so much better. Eh, I think it looks just fine. Uh, and that's what this author was talking about. Because like, part of the RPGs, especially in a video game, is its art style. It doesn't have to be super hyper-realistic. But like Oblivion was beautiful in my opinion i think it was much uh, it was just it was very it had a style and it stuck with it. you know and even like legend of zelda like the legend of zelda games you know the 3d brick models those still had a very unique art style and that didn't take away too much
0: i would say it added to the experience um i've you know i've never i've never gone to any game role playing or otherwise because it looked amazing I have gone to games specifically like Borderlands and Overwatch, and the old Zelda games are a great example because like, they were pushing what 3D games could do at the time, but they're also like, we're not going to try and do uh, hyper realistic human figures or uh, photorealistic textures. We're going to go for this cartoon style, mm-hmm. achieve what we're capable of achieving, and also, instead of go for realism, make it look really charming. That I've you know, like I picked up Borderlands in the first place because of the way it looked and because it wasn't trying to be, you know, a photorealistic Call of Duty experience. So right. Yeah. The so, art style of a thing that's so that's set, big digression. He sets, digression. It, up, he sets <laughs> yeah.
1: it up with that and then comes home with like it's about a good RPG is a story, an immersive world. And uh, I think you can get both I think it's a little bit easier to do with a pre-made character like The Witcher, right? Cuz I think it's probably easier on the writer, well,
0: yeah, uh, or the writing team mm-hmm. to like write good stuff that makes sense for everything,
1: right? Then like a blank slate character, but like the sandbox of Skyrim cannot be denied, I think. Like it was it was seamless. I feel like you could walk from cave to cave slaying monsters and have a good time. You didn't need like you know, I have too many hours to count, which is embarrassing and also kind of like a weird flex, um, on the Skyrims. And, like, I still, like, get a jones for it sometimes. I go, you know, start a new character, blast some, blast some caves, and then then I'll be done.
0: I have it installed right now, and I have the same thing, where, like, I could, uh, I could see myself starting it again don't know how far I would get because it's not necessarily offering anything new even though there are things in that game I haven't experienced yet or I could do all of it in a different order you know but it still has um, it still has more than enough merit to uh, to be considered even now 10 years after its release. You mentioned something, actually, at the beginning of this that I want to circle back to. So, we're talking about Blank Slate versus pre-made characters. And you said, you know, don't be upset with the game for not accommodating everything. Just, like, make a character that fits better. Make a better character. And I think that is pretty key. Um, Not an Elder Scrolls experience, but a similar thing. Uh, The first time I played Fallout 4, I made a very dumb character. And I just kind of launched him into the world. Because the first time you touch one of these games, you don't necessarily know enough about it to make a good character, I would say. Right. And so for me, this is how I've done it a couple of times, is I've, I've done the start of a, pl- a playthrough, learned what I feel like I need to know, and then like scrapped that playthrough, made a new character who fits the story a lot better... Started over.
1: Right. So, like, how would, how would you feel, i pose this to you, uh, mash up the games here. So, like, uh, uh, Mass Effect style character creation in Fallout 4. So, instead, okay, of, yeah, instead yeah. of, like, the full blank slate, you know, classic uh, Elder Scrolls, Bethesda style, uh, you can, like, choose your name, but you get, like, three different, like, backstories. And you know some like things to throw in into your specials but like you don't get a start from scratch
0: I think that could work really well um cause I mean specifically since we're talking about it let's let's dump on Fallout 4 a little bit they say that you have to be this like family man or family woman um that you have a spouse and a kid and this is the thing you care about and you care about them so much that you've paid for a spot in the vault and that's how the game begins and then it has a story which is kind of incongruous with that because you are told from the beginning what you care about and then presented with a story where there is a through line of finding your kid but a bunch of other stuff that doesn't have anything to do with it and you are shackled to a character or at least a motivation from the beginning that really doesn't mesh with a lot of what the game itself asks you to do. So I think what you're describing could be really yeah. good. Um a better sort of thing where you select your backgrounds, where there's like ten different people in that mm-hmm. little village who you could be in the beginning. Like you could be the local car mechanic guy. Sure. Or you could be the family man. Mm-hmm. Or you know, you could be uh, you know, uh an alcoholic veteran <laughs> Who, you know, lives by themselves and, like, she's really mad at all her neighbors and she hates them. But she, mm. like, gets a spot in the bunk. I don't know. Those things, like... This this is what I think would be key for that to work. And basically what... um The first thing that I read, talking about, like, what Avowed should do to better integrate that stuff. That all works really well when it's told to you in the beginning and then when it also matches. Because, like, you're told who Shepard is.
1: Mm.
0: You have some choices about who
1: your, your
0: Shepherd is right. and, like, how they came to be where they are.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but whatever you choose there, he fits really well into this, like, space adventure save the galaxy story. And that's, that's the key thing. So I think the key... Well,
1: would you say like you, like yes Shepard fits in really well but do you think it's the the writing of the main quests and Shepard's dialogue that really tells you yeah Shepard is the perfect person to save the galaxy cuz like if they told you up front Fallout 4 like hey you're going to have to fight the institute for the child mm-hmm. like how would they one how would they do that without giving away spoilers and two, how would that actually help? Because, like, if you're fresh picking up Fallout 4, sorry for the spoilers. <laughs> but it's been out for a while. I feel like I'm off the hook on that one. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's okay to discuss. So, how, how do I know what I would need to beat the Institute? Like, what kind of character do I need to be to beat the Institute? I think... Um, I think it comes down to the, the writing, the writing of the, and not just the main story, the side quests, um, that's something I want to talk about, but let's put a pin in that for right now. <clears throat> um, the writing to really, like, you can be the alcoholic who hates their neighbors, but like, begrudgingly, you're like, I guess our our guess are do it. Like, and you know, I don't know how exactly the writers would articulate that, but... I think I don't think you don't necessarily need to tell the player what character they what they're getting into I think they should know what they're getting into through playing the game I think they should to some
0: degree but like the idea that you were going on a space adventure like that was never a mystery in in Mass Effect true and then the character like male or female whatever the f- the backgrounds that you pick All of those things are still, like, good, you know, space adventure people. Um, Fallout 4 does a thing the first time in a Fallout game where they start before the apocalypse Mm. and have you, you know, create your character in a world that has nothing to do with the world you experience for the rest of the game. That is
1: very interesting.
0: And so I would say, like...
1: Cut that shit out. Yeah, don't
0: don't fucking do that. Um... Tell your players, because this is a thing, okay, uh opportunity to bring it back a little on topic for a uh role playing, a pen and paper role-playing podcast. Mm. When we do this stuff, one shots or big adventures with our with our friends, or just, you know, like when we're playing small ones, one step that we always hit is like telling whoever's running it, tell the players a little bit about what we're gonna do. Like is it going to be a medieval fantasy or is it going to be a Western? Is it going to be an apocalypse Mm -hmm. thing? Tell them that and tell them, you know, kind of like what the opening scene is going to be so they can make a character that, you know, Lego bricks into that. Well, that mass effect does really well. You could say that the witcher does it really well, but the witcher actually does, um, if you're just there for the Witcher video game experience, it kind of leaves you in the dark as far as a lot of the greater lore of that world and mm-hmm. Geralt's story. Um, whether you've read the books, played the other games, or just played The Witcher 3, like there's a wild amount of information that they just... They don't necessarily teach you and they expect you to just take for granted. But Mass Effect does a really good job of saying like this is a you know multiple planets... Interstellar space adventure, sure. and your guy is a guy who fits into that, right? So, so th- telling that information to the player, I think, is key to this.
1: And it doesn't have to be necessarily like like we do. We don't. A video game doesn't have to give them like six paragraphs to read about. Hey, you're gonna be in the post apocalyptic world. They can show that with with like. Um, well, I think Fallout Three, um, even though. I would say Fallout 3 is weaker than Vegas, but, and Fallout 3 came first, um, it in is. my and mind.
0: Fallout 3 is maligned but by a lot of people. New and Vegas
1: also did it really, like, yeah. you know, the slow, like, um, changes in images, so it's not like, you know, a movie, it's just like a couple images changing with, you know, a, narrating, a narrator over it. You get... Very engrossed, or at least I did. Like, very, um, emer- I felt like they did an excellent job specifically talking Vegas.
0: Um, 3 does it differently, where you, yeah. like, play through your childhood. Mm-hmm. But that was also a really bold and, I think, effective way to do it. Yeah. Vegas just does it with a text scroll and some images. Yeah. But, by the time you create your character, like, you've already seen a couple people in that world. You've been, like, mugged and shot in a ditch. And then you create your character, so you know a lot about the world that you're about to step into.
1: Yep. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Fallout 4 does the opposite of that, where you create a character in the wrong time and are expected to just, you know, like, be what the game tells you to be incongruous with the actual setting of the game.
1: Yes. So, I guess there's not going to be a real smooth, natural transition there, but uh, Hold on to your hats because here we go. Um, <laughs> side quests, I think, are a really interesting thing and something that should be examined uh, closely by the people who make the video games because side quests are a way to add immersion, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It's a way to make you feel like part of the world. Like, as a pre made character, if you like venture off the beaten path and they're like, oh. Geralt or Rivia, we're so glad you're here, because, like, there's a monster, but we don't want you to kill it. It's my husband. It's a werewolf. You gotta save it. Mm-hmm. Right? You're like, oh, right, because, like, I know... And, like, I don't really want to kill it either, but I'm glad Geralt is that kind of witcher. So, like, you feel... Par- as You feel in there. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. rip you out. Like... Right. Like, like not of... only is
0: it a quest to go do, it's mm-hmm. a quest written specifically for you to... Um, to grapple with a few choices. Right. And to, you know, really figure out, like, you know, what would Geralt do? Play as Geralt, make a decision based on all the, you know, the information that you get, and also, like, who you think this guy is.
1: So, like, the side quest in Skyrim, and I talked about the sandbox of Skyrim uh, being huge, and it was and great and all, but. And effective,
0: like really well built to to facilitate gameplay. Exploration, Mm. uh, looting,
1: combat. The the side quests, and like the side quests, there's, so everything's a side quest in Skyrim, but like, the real like, side quests, like, oh, you, like the first town you walk into, hey, the shop got robbed and the guy ran up into the dungeon. Yeah. Alright, I'll go do it. Like, those kind of quests where like, oh, help out you know the small little townsfolk, and they felt very like kind of just lame, <laughs> like no intrigue, no no real writing, just like a random number generator saying, "Oh, fetch the fetch the dog or whatever." Yeah,
0: fetch the X from the place, and what'll be the complication? Oh, well, you fight this
1: right. Whereas like Oblivion, thinking back to like Oblivion, the side quest got crazy. Like they, and they like, and this, that's one of the things mentioned in, um, one of the articles I read, um, about mainly about traditional RPG moves and like how Skyrim kind of moved away. And this author would like see a vow go back to more of the traditional RPGs. But, um, that's his opinion. Uh, I kind of share it, but whatever. Anyways, he was talking about, uh, Skyrim or Oblivion's quests, side quests, taking you interesting places. Like the one where you go into the troll painting and you gotta fight a bunch of painted trolls. Like going into a painting, a magical painting, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't. I just didn't feel like there was a lot of that in Skyrim. I
0: yeah. I never played Oblivion, but I would definitely say that like my memories of Skyrim are. A lot of indistinguishable caves. And then a few of the caves that you do first, a few of the like bigger dungeons with like specific puzzles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I have clearer memories of some of those things, but it's right. a lot of just like little yeah. cave areas with not much going on, and even though they're not identical, mm-hmm. they are indistinguishable to a right. degree. I
1: think one of the like coolest things of, like, the side quests of Skyrims were the, the masks. Do you remember the masks? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All the different, okay. uh, the, like, but god masks. You had,
1: to, you had to be... You had to go, like, do the Mage's Guild shit to, like, finish, like, get your collection. Mm-hmm. Um Because one of them was, was behind the Mage's Guild. So, like, what if you weren't a mage and you still wanted all the masks? Uh Well, too bad. You have to learn some magic, which is not that hard in Skyrim because... Uh, that's one of its moves away from traditional RPGs. Is yeah, as you're not locked
0: into any archetype or capabilities from the exactly. beginning, you just start out bad at everything.
1: Yeah, so like you can you can easily spend two hours grinding magic skills to get in the minimum required into the mage's guild. But I would say that, um, well,
0: sort of a. Th- like, a through line of this conversation is what do next-gen computer right. RPGs and video game RPGs look like. Um, one thing I would like to see is kind of a little bit less of that. and
1: Less of...
0: Less of the ability to just, like, take a side... Take a detour for a couple hours. Grind out until you're good so enough more, for something.
1: So, more um, traditional RPG specialization. Yeah.
0: So, like... We're we're both playing Wasteland, or you just beat Wasteland. Um and something I really like about it is how specialized your characters kinda have to be. Because if you try and make a character who's generalized at everything, mm.
1: they're
0: gonna be very underpowered.
1: Right. Um, they can't they can't have automatic weapons, uh sidearms, explosives, and like lockpicking or mechanic. like that's that's too many things.
0: Right. You gotta pick like three or four Mm. and maybe like five tops skills for your characters and be like this is what they're good at because i don't have enough points and you're not going to get enough points throughout the game to make the rest of them Mm. good you really need to focus and specialize in that game something that game also does though is give you a pretty big party and ask you to well it recommends that you spread out your skills and what you can end up with is a party that has enough specialists that, like, as a party, you're a generalist and you Mm -hmm. can overcome anything. And what I actually think about that is that I don't love it. I like the idea that some things are locked off from your experience because you're not high enough in a certain, you know, ability score. Because what that does is reinforces the idea that, like, you're a specific guy with specific capabilities... And it also encourages multiple playthroughs. Like, right now, in my Wasteland team, I have, um, I have no weird science and no lockpicking. I, I have a girl who has a hammer, so if there's a locked door, I can get through it. But I can't unlock safes. Or, you know, like, so some loot, I'm just not going to experience this time. Because that's not a thing that my team... Mm -hmm. has access to but the next time I play it I might try and you know make my whole team a little more stealthy and you know tricky and put some points into stuff like lockpicking
1: that's that is something like um, like
0: some side quests aren't for you if you're not a certain kind of character
1: the the replay value for making specialized especially combat Mm. uh, decisions how because like that's where I got my mileage out of Mass Effect is, like, the first time I went as, like, an Infiltrator or whatever. The Sniper guy. I went as the Sniper guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that was cool. That was fun, uh, you know, using, like, the tech abilities. But also, then I wanted to explore all the the Bionic abilities. And uh, the, playing as a soldier is kind of just, eh, because, ooh, I can use all the weapons. Yeah, I can the, use all the stuff, but... The abilities,
0: you know, can be very cool.
1: Right, so I think I think that's that is something to look out for, and and once and like you know, as consumers, we uh, we should technically have the power to express what we want in a game and have the product be made. Uh, but you know, there's that's another conversation about the video game industry right there. Uh, but I would like to see spe- more traditional RPG specialization. Yeah. Um. I'd also like to see multiple directions and like endings, um, because I think that's something one we've seen done really great before. Uh, Mass Effect's Fallout New Vegas, um, really good. Even in like when you kind of fuck it up, it's still satisfying to be like, "Oops, well, I guess the world's in a worse place now." Yeah. That is,
0: I mean, like, Vegas is a really great example of that, where there are, like, not just one, but there are several sort of, like, main things that you can focus on. Like, you can take one of multiple sides in a big conflict, um, or you can focus on, uh, like, the different gangs and tribes and stuff, which are, you know, separate from, like, the Legion and the, and the NCR having their fight. Um or you can engage with the like the gangsters and the strip families and everything, and you don't necessarily have to um you'll be like, yeah, there's a war, but I'm gonna do a playthrough where I do not engage with the war. I'm gonna try and like take over one of the casinos on the strip and become, you know, the big strip boss. That's the end that I want out of this Fallout experience. I don't care if the Legion and the NCR are at war. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, like a more open-ended story experience with just like a lot of great hooks for you to pick which thing Mm -hmm. you want, that's cool. And that's what I think uh, some next-gen games should start to do because that's also a really hard thing to do in pen and paper. Yeah. Um, You know, it's hard to write something that's, you know, so open-ended that we will be engaging for a group of players for months of sessions and then it's hard to respond if you do something open world like that and then you have to like improv and react to everything that your players want to do that can be really difficult but a video game could give you a sandbox where there is like five different endings five yeah. different five different main stories to pursue i would also
1: i'd also love to see a medium between like the sandbox of skyrim which just is like, eh, after a while it kind of gets monotonous. Cave after cave is like, I get it. Uh, and, like, I guess Mass Effect 2 um, did a pretty good job um, cutting down, like, the exploration of Mass Effect 1, like, in Mass Effect 1, you're just like, oh, I'm on a planet in this, like, square of Explorable. There's, like, nothing. A lot of empty space,
0: and yeah, like, oh, I can drive my car over to the crashed Mm -hmm. satellite. What a waste of time loading into this place.
1: Right. So, like, find a medium somewhere in there that, like, it still feels like, oh, if I just want to go out and explore the woods, I can do that, and it's, like, fun and engaging. But also, have little side quests that take me all over the place. And like, oh, you know, that castle on the hill that's real spooky and scary? You can go explore it by yourself, but also, hey, you know, somebody in town's like, hey, I need this out of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Go get it for me. So that's what I would like to see, and like, I don't know. I think that's fairly likely. I'm hopeful that we can find that medium. Because, um, like, Mass Effect Andromeda, like, it went in the other direction and you're driving the stupid car again for 90 yeah of the
0: forever so much driving and then you like hop out and have a gunfight and you drive around some more and and for what a bunch of stupid little currencies and like crafting materials and some like multiplayer mm-hmm. i don't know like i didn't finish andromeda it it didn't feel like it didn't feel like it knew what it was really and I was not yeah. enthralled by that experience.
1: All right, so in conclusion, right? I think we're ready to conclude? I think we are. few points. In conclusion, uh, blank slate versus pre-made characters. Uh, examples of both uh, and why each are good. Yeah. I think pre-made character is neither, better for a video game.
0: Neither is necessarily bad. Um, But yeah, pre-made, I think... Mm. Does kind of net you the most, um,
1: and it doesn't have to be like a shepherd, right? Like, yeah,
0: but like Geralt is a kind of extreme mm-hmm. example where you have no creation yeah. options. Um, but I think it does net you the better gameplay experience, mm-hmm. and it allows for the writing team to right. deliver a more so and like, cohesive. You experience. can you
1: can combine the next the next point I was going to say is more traditional role playing um, stuff specialization. Yeah. So like. Make about a vow, a classism. You choose a class, and that decides what weapons you're going to be using and how you go through combat. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to no some changing. degree,
0: like what quests you can do. Yeah. If you're like a bard, maybe you don't get to do certain dungeons. You don't
1: get to do the werewolf dungeon because you're going to get torn apart. Yeah.
0: Because that's not for you. But you have different stuff that's written mm-hmm. for your character. You can go to serenade a with.
1: vampire. Yeah.
0: Right. I don't know. I don't know what stuff is in the yeah. uh, Pillars of Eternity universe Neither really. I played. I don't know, a couple hours. Mm-hmm. I played like 10
1: hours of Pillars okay. of Eternity and didn't love it. But All right. So third point yeah. is interesting stories, not just the main story, but the side quests. Get your players engaged. Get them exploring the world. Um, fifth point, or what are we on? Fifth? Four, I think. Whatever. Um, Another point. The multiple, next one. Multiple Indians replayability. Yeah. Um,
0: I'll just add a last thing. So, like, the class, I think a really good idea. Um, I don't think you need to have pre-made characters if you just do a good job telling your players what the story is. Like, an intro, an intro that tells you everything important before you do character creation is so critical. And that can allow for everything to mesh a lot better you won't find yourself doing a side quest that isn't for your character Mm -hmm. if you know from the get-go how to make a character that That fits in this definitely
1: helps our players when we're running pen and paper stuff stuff. um we've seen way we've seen a huge leap in character creation when we started to get good at explaining yeah giving them what you know what the adventure is going to be a
0: bit of a prompt and like hey it's this setting at this time frame Now create your character. Yeah. People create characters who are...
1: Who engage.
0: Yeah, who are, you know, from the ground up, designed to fit with the setting that they're in and the adventure that we're going to run.
1: Um, But yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I think that uh, about does it as two-headed well. Two Headed Game Master, uh, as always, find us on 2HGM.com. Leave us your comments, your feedbacks. Love to hear from you.
0: Yep. Also, at 2HGM.com is the Eclipse Engine, our uh, original role playing game system, and that is available for free for, for download free. Uh, along with a character sheet. And there will eventually be some other products up there to go with it. Stuff to download. You can get that for free right now if you want to start playing. And um, what else? Check out our
1: Patreon. Patreon link. link. Is on the website. Again, that is 2HGM.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Um, anything else? I think that's it. Uh, thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of their song, Pond Hill is Finest. As our uh, theme music for this program. And we will see you next week. See you next time. Or next time, yeah. Damn it.